Blight Scream would be a dope superhero. Villain <laughs> name. Uh-huh. Just like Scream uh, Plagues. Plagues. Yep. <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever like, kind of plagues you need. You want. I, got, I got it. Frogs, yeah. locusts, <laughs> Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 219 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I, that's just who I am. I'm Adam and <laughs> that's not who I am. I'm Sam. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is Locust Blight Scream 2019. Mm. Before we get started. It's October, so you know. Yep, it's October, so it's spooky time. Also, it's August. <laughs> Uh, there's going to be swears on this podcast, so if you're an adult and can't handle that, then you don't get to listen. Yep. Get, get, scoot your butt out, your adult butt out of here. Okay? Good? Got mm-hmm. it. Good? We got, got it? We'll, we'll give you two seconds. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, we'd also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net for uh, letting us grab their money. We got some new new folks whose money we grabbed. Uh, we've got Dallin, who said, I haven't been able to successfully time manage forever. So this is my offering to the time management gods. Mm. So I think what I'm getting out of this is Dallin has given up and uh-huh. has now just resorted to prayer and mm-hmm. sacrifices. Yep. Yep. So I think this will probably work. I think so. If not, just keep doing it. Keep uh, putting more money in there. <laughs> sometime it'll work. It'll pan out. It'll pan out. Uh, talk gibberish also said, you guys are doing an excellent job, which is succinct yeah. and to the point. Thank, Thank you very that. much. So are you talk gibberish. That's true. Your yeah. levels are dope. So. <laughs> Uh, we'd also like to thank our recurring supporters who are giving monthly, which is super helpful. And for those of you who would like to support the podcast, but don't necessarily have money for us to grab, uh, you can always go to literally anywhere and review our podcast, like yep. at uh, Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. your local Four Best Square, Buy, just, just, just anywhere. All you got to do is just take five stars, just start throwing them out there. Mm-hmm. And as long as they hit somewhere near our podcast, then we're good. And tell uh, somebody else about it. Yeah, that just, also just helps. share just share the good word. Of, yeah, whatever of you want to do. Places you can sacrifice your money in return for time savings. Yep. Yes, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll pan out. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Sam's float trip. Yeah, what well, is this? This is a very uh, I don't know if it's a very Western thing because we actually didn't do this ever up in Iowa. At least I don't remember anyone ever going on one of these. Well, we were right. We were it. smack in between both of the rivers that we could have done it on. So maybe got, it, there's the Missouri and the Mississippi, mm-hmm. and we just lived in the middle. We never saw those things. Exactly. We lived in the plains. We lived in the plains. So a float trip, the whole idea is what you do is you get a big group of friends together, and then you rent rafts. And these are they're sort of equivalent to like your whitewater raft rafts, right? So they're like the four-chambered ones where if something pops, like the whole thing's not going to uh, sink, yeah. that sort of situation. So you rent rafts and then also some tubes. You get a big rope. You tie everything together. And then you just get so on this like river. a little floating city. little floating city. You just get on this oh. river. Everybody brings booze and snacks. And then like some people who are ambitious bring, you know, like a Bluetooth speaker, which is exciting because it's wet all over. Uh, and then you just hop on this river that's moving like a mile an hour. And so you basically have a floating living room that just kind of very slowly <laughs> down the river. Moves. And everybody just hangs out. Drinks a bunch and then goes and like beaches. So there's, you know, little sandbars and stuff. And so you'll show up on a beach and be like, well, let's get out there for no reason, you know. And then you <laughs> get over there. People start like playing, throwing sticks and shit. And so it's just like a very, it's a very relaxed and sort of a weird thing that I don't think anybody that else does. What I think is it's the most fun. interesting thing about this 
is that if you were a kid, you wouldn't need the booze. And no. you would just have a great time. Yeah. But as an adult, you're like, I can't. I got to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got like, you to have something to do. And I think actually right. it just comes down to like wanting to drink something. It doesn't even have to be booze, to be honest. Because like, I didn't drink hardly at all, but I just like drank water. Every time I just like had a bottle of water in my just hand. Straight out of like, something to do. Got something to do. I was holding an oar. I'm not really know? sure if if kids today could actually do it. Because the reason that as a kid, like when we were kids, mm. we could be on a float trip or whatever and have a great time. Because we didn't know about the internet. Exactly. We didn't know about other things that we could be doing <laughs> that are arguably a lot more engaging. <laughs> well, that was, what I mean? so that was so, what was so interesting about it because, yeah, it's like it's not a super engaging thing in the yeah. sense that you're just you're just sitting there. It's, it's the almost activity equivalent. itself is exactly nothing. And so it's almost equivalent to just like being in someone's living room with 10 to 15 other people for a day, Right. Mm-hmm. Which you don't really do that often. You don't do that days. often. And the nice thing about it is, as an adult, like you said, like that's not a thing you do. Like you don't just go for sit a, at someone's house for a, a day. For a day. With you nothing might pop going by. on. You might pop by. For an afternoon. But course. there's got to be like TV or like there's got to be something where everyone's sort of glued to it, right? As opposed to just like hanging out. And so it was very fun. And it was very comical because like as as the, the trip goes on, and we only, we only floated four miles, but it took us – uh, like six hours <laughs> right? because the river's moving almost not at all. And then occasionally someone would just stand up. It was very shallow. So someone would just stand up and just hold the whole thing while we all like chatted and stuff. <laughs> uh, we found like a rope swing on the side. People were climbing up on a tree and getting on and stuff. Um, and so it was this cute sort of thing that, yeah, as, as an adult, you don't – you have to like trap everybody in the middle of a river – with no cell to service. To keep them from wandering off. So like, yeah, to make it to make that scenario <laughs> where you can just hang out for long enough where people start kind of talking about stuff. You know what I mean? Because I think part of the part of the weird thing about making friends as an adult is that you always try to do it in these like one and a like hour and a half to three hour chunks that are organized around like a very usually an activity of some sort. You know? Yeah. Well, as an adult, everybody's just trying to keep their head above water. Yeah. And it requires active treading at all times. Yeah. And so, like, you can't stop moving for that long. Exactly. You know and I mean? so, the weird thing about it was, like, as soon as you just lock everyone into a boat on the river with no phones, like, one guy brought his phone, which thankfully, because of one of our, we went over a very large log that stabbed a hole in, in the boat. <laughs> so, <laughs> we had to call the boat people who came, like, jetting up on an actual, you know, motor Jet. boat. A jet, yeah, uh, and they brought a leaf blower to fill up the thing. Well, it doesn't seem like it's <laughs> protocol, but whatever. Um, so there's only one person who had a phone, and of course, like you don't want to have your phone out in the water. So no, like no one wanted to have an electric device around, and so it was just like it was very, it was just very pleasant. That sounds yeah. nice. Yeah, I may have to. They definitely could. They, I mean, you could also. I, so the only the only bone I have to pick with this mm-hmm. is the idea that you couldn't just also have people over to your house for the afternoon. Because it's not that you can't; it's just that you don't. But you also don't just but, go on the white on a on the river. Like this, uh-huh. is the, this is the only time you've done this, right? I've done this one other time. So okay, so you've done this twice, mm-hmm. right? So this isn't this also isn't a thing you do, correct? So <laughs> so you don't do either of those. things. Yeah, you don't do either of those things. So so instead of having to like, all right, we got to round everybody up. No, but here's the thing: we got to go get on the. If boat. I said if I said, hey, why don't you guys come over? Leave your phones. Leave your phones. Home. Come over for seven and a half hours. We're not going to play. We're not going to plan. I'm going to do anything. I mean, I would. No board games? We're just – that's what I'm talking about. No chatting? Well, I mean you're going to be chatting. But like all we're going to have is drinks and we're just going to – Fuck yeah. And like, a couple of snacks. <laughs> it's like you're, talking, you're talking a cocktail party, right? That's basically what it is. A, yeah. a prolonged fuck, cocktail party. Fuck yeah, party. I am in. <laughs> but I mean a seven-hour cocktail party. This is what it's I'm talking a, about because I feel like as an adult, the longest party I've been to is like maybe four hours. Maybe. You know what I mean? Because everybody's done now. Because everyone's like, oh, i got to go back to the dog. 
and we're like trapped on a river. Like I can't go back to the dog. Like yeah, you're stuck. Now. You're stuck now. So you got to plan you for it. Yeah, you got to right. plan for everything. And so I think it's true. But when you, I think when you try to opt people into that scenario, it's it's a much tougher sell than if you're just like, let's go be on a river for some reason, as opposed to just saying like. Let's go hang out at my house for the entire fucking day. There's something right. to be said for being trapped, I think. It's good for yeah. you, I think, in some ways. Yeah. Yeah, you got to let go. Let go yeah. of life. Maybe maybe you I just, just find it easier to let go. Also, I don't have a dog that I have to take care of, so that probably yeah, that helps, helps significantly. You have a screaming cat, though. <laughs> yeah, but she can be on her own for a, an entire day, and it's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. Cats are very independent. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. they're easier to manage. Well, yeah. I took I took a week off of Reddit and a week off of Netflix and just generally watching videos. Did you follow up on the news at on all? On the internet. No. Good. What? I don't know what happened. Good. <laughs> Only horrible things. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. Um, <laughs> so I just, instead of reading the news, I just would wake up every day and just remind myself, like, there's lots of bad shit probably going on that's right now. just as good. <laughs> so yeah, get yourself right in the bummer headstand. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I just made I made just sure skip, that I – Skip the time required. Yeah. Just yeah. Go right into I just it. went right into the bummer. I just woke up sad. Mm-hmm. Boom. Got that Perfect. covered now. Done. On with my the day. The internet has done its job. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was – It's it's been really interesting. I've caught up on all kinds of games that I've been wanting to play. Um I've been reading a lot more. I think it's it's just basically that like you end up in these habits where you have these default behaviors – Mm. Um, that if you don't have a plan, like an active plan of what you're going to be doing, then you just kind of take this path of least resistance, you know, toward your whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and so I, f- I just had more time. I felt a lot better. And then over this past, uh, this past weekend, so I'd gone a whole week. It was past weekend. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to pop in and just see what's, see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then I was all of a sudden right back in it and then, like, mm-hmm. all my time disappears uh, I start hearing about all kinds of terrible things. We'll talk about some of these things mm. later. Uh, but yeah, I think I might just go back on that on yeah. that train. It's probably a good I'm train kinda, to, be on, to be honest. Yeah, because I mean, all these things are happening whether I'm reading about them or not. So Correct. why am I wasting my time? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that is the thing with Reddit in particular is that is I still always find myself looking at it like in, in downtime, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it's, and I've, I don't enjoy it. I think that's, that's the problem, right? Cause I think it's yeah. the same deal with, cause even with things like Netflix or, you know, any other streaming service, uh, if you're watching something that you like really enjoy and are really engaged with, like, why the fuck not? It's, you're having mm-hmm. a great time. It's, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's good for You've your brain. You've chosen it. You've chosen it. Yeah. Uh, I think the problem comes in when, when you get stuck in that mode where it's like, what should I do? Watch Netflix, right? right. Or, or be on Reddit, right? It's right. cause, cause that's not. That's not an activity. Well, that no, you're I, th- I think it's, even, it's the thing that's on the on the service. I think even worse is if you're not even asking the question, "What should I do?" Yeah. If you just are, if you just find yourself doing that, and you never yep. really made a decision yep. about the, it. The point yeah. I know wherever I'm, I'm like I'm too deep is when I do the cycle, which is where you check all the things, and, and then, then you, you start over again. Right <laughs> and then you I are had caught that, in a loop. Yeah, and so I've like because we, we did all this marketing activity and stuff in the last you know week or so, and so I've had to be checking on a bunch of these things. And it 100% just throws me right back into that yeah. mode. Yeah. And so yesterday, we get back from the from the float trip, checking on stuff. I'm like, cool, everything's ready to go. And then I'm like, I want to do some writing. So uh, you know, I write like I think a sentence. And then I was like, oh, I need to check in on – I think I forgot to check on this. I look at it and I'm like, I literally just saw this. Like, I, <laughs> I was just here. And I somehow like tricked myself for a moment into getting back – into there. Yeah, well, and that kind of speaks. So I just to, shut off the computer. It kind of speaks mm-hmm. also to how forgettable those experiences are. You know, like, yeah. By the time you get to the end of it, you go go right back to the beginning yeah. and relive it as if it never even happened, unless you <laughs> sort of like consciously dredge up the memory. Yeah, it's like it's pressing weird. the fast forward button on life. 
Yeah. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah like click. That yeah, movie, movie click. Yeah, you just, it's you just exactly. skipped a big block of time. It basically didn't even happen. You don't remember any of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. No thanks. No thanks. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna be kind of taking yeah, a step to, back on all that. I need to get back on that train. I think. Yeah. Uh, so there's another little pro tip for the time from the time management people. Yeah. I guess. So well, maybe, the pro tip is quit it. Quit it. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of methods for doing that. But. Uh, and then Sam, you want to talk about sharing. I don't, what is it? What do you mean? I do. You have to so, put this on the agenda. I don't know. Yeah. Or define it or explain it. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, so this is an interesting one. So, you know, talk about being on the float trip, uh-huh. having some deep convos with drunk people. Uh, which is, you know, I, ho- I hope these are all friendly drunks. They're all very friendly. Okay, drunks. That's good. Everyone. It was, it was sort of a group of friends that my wife and I had sort of been invited into, and some of them are visiting from from outside of the city, from like Phil- from Pittsburgh and San Francisco and stuff for the weekend. So they were all very, very friendly and nice people, which is good. Um, the sort that when you have a good drunk conversation with, you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like a heart to heart, you know. <laughs> so no, the the question or this this interesting thing I I noticed, which was since and the, like I said, this is good, and we'll go a little deep on this one. So. Since the second round of cancer treatment that I had, I've noticed that I have much less of a propensity to actually care about sharing stuff, not just my own stuff, but with regards to like things we learn at Butterscotch, right? And when you're saying stuff, you mean like lessons, lessons, possessions. And when you no, say possessions, is fine. I mean, so like, not possessions. You're yeah, talking. Like, I mean, uh, yeah, sharing knowledge or like okay, sharing gotcha, ideas, yeah. right? So when you say you ha- you care about it less, do you mean you're doing it more or you're doing it less? I'm doing it less. Okay. Yeah. Um. To to the point where uh, it's it's sort of comical. So like uh, after the after the last podcast episode, when we we talked a little bit about the sort of lossiness of marketing, right? Yeah. Uh, Adam and I had a fun conversation right after the podcast, which was what about an idea of pairing marketing and lossy compression, which is like how you compress images and stuff like that using algorithms. Um, what if we took that idea and and sort of, you know, use that metaphorically to explore the idea of marketing and like mm-hmm. the way it works and, and whatever. Super fun idea. And I think it'd be a very cool article to like, and I'd get to do the research about compression algorithms and stuff, which I know nothing about. Mm-hmm. Um, or like the Vegas enough about to make a metaphor on it. Uh, but like, I got really excited about the idea and just like had a good time having the conversation about it. But when... Previously, I feel like I would have the interest to be like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to share it. Like I got it for some reason, I got to go share this with people. And that sort of like that second piece, the actual sharing of it has just like, poof, just cliffed off since way back when. Hmm. Well, I wonder though, and maybe you've thought about this as you have an, an idea of the mm-hmm. source because you're kind of attributing the source to something related to like this difficult life experience. Mm-hmm. But what I wonder is, because I've had the same thing happen to me. Hmm. Um but not related to that. It's related to the fact that it, that uh, it's it's been in, it's become increasingly clear that the things that we do don't impact anything. You know or rather, I mean? <laughs> like, mean, what do you mean? I guess well, it's like, like, you have, you have this like, cool idea. And yeah, you put, you put an there, article out there, and then like, and then, then and then it's basically crickets, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe maybe a person or two come out and they say something interesting about it, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it, but then that kind of like that's just a thing that happened that then just kind of keeps on floating away from you downstream, right? right? And basically just like doesn't – it doesn't seem to have have caused anything interesting to happen mm-hmm. or or from the sharing perspective. It doesn't really seem to have helped anybody or like mm, – right. uh, I mean the impact isn't, isn't apparent. Yeah, the impact is, is, right. isn't, isn't apparent, which either means that – because we also know that you know the, the rate at which people will reach out and be like, oh, hey, I read this and the – and, yeah, it's like and it was and it was 1%. neat, or even I hated it, or whatever. Right. Almost nobody does that, right. and the ones who do, mostly the ones who hate it. And mm-hmm. so, 
So you had this very, very low rate relative to whatever your your broadcast mm-hmm. reaches of people saying anything. And it's almost always negative. And and so I know for me, it's like my question is always like, just what's the point? So I've, I've kind of landed in a different space, yeah. which is I, I actually, you know, I've been streaming on the mm-hmm. weekends and you, you could easily uh, sort of equate that with this kind of a thing, right. which is yeah, like yeah. I'm taking you're sharing your expertise is what you're doing. Yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm taking like a, a half hour of prep and a half hour of sort of like compiling or clipping the video and, you know, getting it put onto YouTube and stuff. And then uh, two to two and a half hours of of making games in real time and, and talking to people on the stream and taking questions about stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and those videos are not getting a million views, you know, they're getting a thousand or 500 Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, but the, the people who are, who are coming in and dropping comments on them are saying like, I've learned so much from this and I've changed this and that about my development process. Mm -hmm. And well, maybe that has to do more with the, the media. Right, the whole like media is the message thing, right? Because because here you're talking streaming, where it's like a, it's a small self-selected group of people who are really interested in how game de- how game development works, yeah. right? But and most so of people, are, people and they engage with you while you're streaming because streaming isn't is a it's very it's a real well, time. No, I'm talking about the YouTube comments, but um, are those coming from people who are from your? No, a lot of them are chat? people who who have missed the streams, and so they, they come they came across the videos, and then they they go back through and they and they watch them. Um, and so I, I've been kind of leaning back on that phrase of like nothing you do matters because everything you do matters, yeah. right? And so yeah, writing an article maybe 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 that article isn't going to do much, or maybe mm-hmm. it's only going to hit like five people who find it useful in any vague way. Um, and yeah, it's true that like writing an article isn't going to change the world; it's mm-hmm. not going to do right. anything. Um, but writing a thousand articles could. Mm-hmm. It's right. expensive. It's very. Expensive. It's very expensive, right. and that and that's where I think the 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 rub is. Like you you have to just keep being willing to sort of like throw your time and energy into stuff into this. What was the term like into a wicked system? Yeah. Wicked meaning the feedback you get is completely decoupled from yeah. the inputs. Yeah. Um. And it's very hard to tell whether what you're doing matters, especially over the internet where uh. You know, like for example, we do the podcast, and we and we do have like a a, a loyal group of people who actually do communicate with us about the podcast. Mm-hmm. But relative to the numbers of listens on the episodes, yeah, it's, it's like a, tiny, tiny a tenth of a percent. Yeah, most, yeah. We, yeah, we basically have no idea what the value of this podcast is to almost anybody who listens. To yeah, it. but the right. the ones who have reached out to us, we know that it has tremendous value, mm-hmm. right? And we have to kind of assume that it has at least there's, some a, few, value there's a few more yeah. to the rest of the people. Yeah. And, and I think that's. And, you know, when, when we first started doing the podcast, mm-hmm. we had 30 listens at most, yeah. you know, per week. Um, and now it's it's above 2,000. We get – well, collectively across all our episodes, we get more than 6,000 a week now. Yeah. Um, and so, so like, clearly this matters because otherwise people wouldn't keep coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that a lot of that just comes down to the persistence of being – like, believing in the thing that you're doing mattering and being important. Well, but, here, but this is interesting because we had these discussions way at the very beginning where mm-hmm. we just decided because we didn't know if it mattered. Yeah, to just we do did, it. Just because, like, it was it was something that we thought was fun. It was it was important to us. And we just hoped that it might matter to somebody. So there, it was basically – that was a side Also, benefit, we were tired right? of writing blog posts. And we were tired of writing blog posts. So it was a way for us to, to still stay in touch with our with our player base and, and people who were into – just excited about the industry and wanted to get an insider's view on it. So so we we kind of knew what this was for, but it was still for us first because of the fact that we 
that we had no idea if anybody gave a shit. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and there were, there were a tiny handful of people who we knew did. Um, but it's that question of reach, right? It was like, we didn't feel like we had really any reach with the podcast in the mm-hmm. beginning um, because it's awesome that there were like, there were a handful of people who thought it was very valuable. Um, but you know, like if we're, if, if that time could go into something, it's always, it's always about leverage, right? So yeah. we're taking the time to do this. And if, if part of the value is supposed to be to make as large of an impact as possible, and this clearly isn't doing that, then should, right. this, should this be what we're doing? Right, but you can't say if it's clearly doing that because we don't know. You don't know. Right. It's not clearly – we don't know what it's clearly well, doing. There's, there's a secondary aspect to it though too, which I think is that we've been around – like we've kind of seen a lot of stuff. And this is both both on the personal front you know, with regard to all the, the cancer stuff but then also with, just with the industry in terms of we've tried a lot of things. We've like put a ton of energy into a lot of things and seen – the sort of interesting results in very mixed fashion from all those different things. And, and we haven't found things that work, but we have found many things that don't work. Correct. <laughs> and or maybe watched, they maybe those things also worked and that's true. Yeah, we, we just don't, don't know. Know. <laughs> that's the problem with the wicked systems. Like is that you can't you can't actually ever say yeah. that something worked or did not work. Yep. Because you actually, the, the because the feedback is not clear enough to to give you that. But the interesting point about it is I I watched um uh the everything what is it? Everything I said was wrong or whatever the, like there's one of those GDC talks by a couple, mm-hmm. like a couple, like micro talks yeah, by a bunch yeah. of indies who are like, here's the advice I gave a couple of years ago. Here's why I now realize that that was really yep. terrible advice in some ways. Um, and it was just like the string of them. Right. And it's hilarious because the advice, like most of it off the cuff is stuff you hear a lot. Yeah. And then they dig into like, here's why I would just not say that to someone anymore. And the weird thing is that sort of as we've gotten further along, I think, I've seen enough of those play out on the advice side, on the things we've been doing side, whatever else, that it makes it harder to then say, well, I'm going to write a big article about this and share this. Yeah. If in the past you recognize that like, okay, the thing I shared like a year or two ago, I don't really 100% believe is true. To me, that's just another interesting thing to talk about. Yeah. But this is also this is also how science works, right? It is. Because yeah. the, the – when you're in a domain where most of what you're doing is unknown, you you now have to act as a scientist, which is you have to right. ex- you have to accept the fact that you never get to know whether or not something is correct, and and you still have to like, and we have to do this internally, right? We we still have to get up the motivation to be like, well, we can't possibly know if this is actually the right move, mm-hmm. but despite all of that, given everything we know, what do we think the the best move right. is that we can make here, right? And so we still have to make those decisions every day. It's just that I agree with you. It feels less and less. I feel less and less comfortable. I feel less confident is what it comes down to. Well, for me, it's not even about confidence because like I never believed that we were right anyway. Mm-hmm. It was that I feel more and more responsible for making sure that I don't put somebody else on the wrong mm-hmm. path, right? Uh, and I think it's because I've, I've become – as the industry has gotten harder to stay alive in and as it's become increasingly difficult even for us where we've had a successful title. We've, you know, we've been running a studio like a well-oiled machine for a while now uh, and seeing things like you – know, so, so we had you know, we had Levelhead on the front page of Steam mm-hmm. over the weekend. And, and from the outside, you would see that, right? Because it was, it was a part of a daily deal. From the outside, you would see that and be like, oh man, that must've sold, you know, like a fucking million units, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but once you're, once you're an insider mm-hmm. and you actually know what that, that means and realize that that does not mean anything like that mm-hmm. at all. Um, uh, it's much better than it was for sure. Like it it still is very useful. Well, it's much better than, than we were doing yes. on Steam, right? Yeah. Um, but it's not enough to keep our studio afloat. Correct. Like not even close, right? And, and so th- the fact that that's where the industry is now makes me just like increasingly uncomfortable to encourage anybody mm. to do anything or to even be part of the industry or to do whatever. Right. Right? But again, this comes right back to what I was saying, which is 
nothing specifically matters, right? Like yeah. your game being on the front page of Steam doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, your game being to. on the front page of everything could possibly yeah, matter. Maybe. Possibly. Maybe not though. <laughs> maybe but not. like, but we know that uh, like Satisfactory was on the front page of the Epic Store for a month. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, and that got them three hundred thousand wish lists. But did but that only three hundred thousand? Well, here's yeah. the question though: because <laughs> did, did that get get them the wish list? Or maybe or they would have the gotten fact it that anyway. The trailer looked dope, and it was just a fucking cool yeah. looking game, right? Yeah. So you, you can't really you can't really say what matters and what doesn't matter. All you all you can control is your inputs. Right. But I think this is why it gets harder to share. Does this make sense? Like, well, no, why? I know because I'm thinking about this from the other direction, which is since you don't know what could possibly come out, you just have to put as many inputs into the system as possible. Yeah. Right. As many as you can afford to put. Yeah. In. So so you could kind of take this in either direction. You could be like, I don't know what matters. So I'm just not going to do anything. That's one mm-hmm. route. The other route is I don't know what matters. So I'm going to do everything, just every possible thing. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to stream on Twitch. I'm going to rebuild a trailer. Well, there's also write articles. But, the, gonna, the, but there's there's the middle ground, which is the appropriate ground, which is because you don't have time to do everything, right? Right. And it's and it's likely that most things truly don't matter. Um, the problem is you don't know which ones. And so the middle ground is to say I have to pick and choose which of all of these things that I could be doing. Try to do all the things that probably matter. Yeah, <laughs> based <laughs> on what I think. Exactly, but, but we don't actually know. Yeah. And then this and this is where people get into trouble because you have a limited budget, you have limited time, mm-hmm. and and if you were to listen to other indie devs, you would you would believe that hey, we should be tweeting constantly. That is what we should be mm-hmm. investing our time into, right? And hey, it, it is possible. Like we've said a million times that that Twitter is a useless mechanism for for broadcasting your message. And I still 100% believe that. But just because I believe that, that doesn't mean it's true, you know, yeah. because because none of these things are are very are reasonably measurable. Yes. And also the cost of Twitter, we feel is far too high. Yeah. Well, we just, but we've even Twitter. talked about like the importance of, you know, getting an email broadcast going for yourself and your studio. Yeah. Which and we then, used to think was super important. We used to think it was going to be some form of a bullet, like a silver bullet for us. Yeah. You know? Nobody I, else had it. Yeah. Nobody else had it. But I'm also still pretty confident that, that the reason we blasted through Steam Greenlight was in definitely. large part because of the newsletter we had it at the time. It definitely was. We could, we could tell it was. Yeah, but, but the interesting thing is now is that we weren't able to harness what is now a much, much bigger newsletter mm-hmm. list to sort of blast off our launch of level-head and early access. Yeah. But also the difference between getting uh, actually a relatively small fraction of people to simply go to a page and just give a thumbs that was up exactly on something yep. is versus this, somebody buying something. Yeah, because like the number that we needed, like to get through Steam Greenlight back in the day required like 3,000 3, votes or something yeah. like that. And so and you naturally get some through. Some and, you get some, like we were, and we were already getting some anyway, but then we had a wish list or we had a, a newsletter of 50,000 people that we mm-hmm. can email. And yeah, none, like they were all from mobile. So that wasn't even steam friendly. And they were all from flop rocket. Right? <laughs> that, was, that was the pool of people. Yeah. Um, and the conversion rate then was, was actually remarkably good for that request. Like back, back it was in the still day. tiny, but it was good. But it was still yeah. tiny, but it was, but it was enough to like really boost our numbers mm-hmm. and green light and which made it more visible. So more people could vote on it and so on. Uh, so yeah, so at the time, like to us that meant, oh yeah, this is like a really, really valuable thing mm-hmm. because despite how low the, the conversion was and despite how quote unquote small our newsletter was, uh, we really like, it had an impact and it, it, it seemed to have a real impact. Mm-hmm. We also, we still don't know if it even did, it could have been other things entirely. Right. Uh, but, it, but it seemed at the time like it did. And then, so coming around now to where we have, uh, cause our, our the newsletter we sent out for the level head launch, mm-hmm. uh, went out to 150,000 people. Yeah. And and we haven't shared any numbers. I don't remember what they even are, but the, but what that converted to into like launch day mm-hmm. sales was, as far as we could tell, actually didn't have an impact. That the mm-hmm. only thing that mattered was was the, Steam, just yeah. the pop up, and even the pop up, which was shown to shown to ninety million people or some ungodly nine number, million. nine million, nine million. <laughs> yeah. still an ungodly number. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the conversion on on that was 
was way, way, way smaller. Yeah, it is a fraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and but because just because of the overwhelming number that converted yeah. into some sales again, not even close to enough to keep us sustainable. Um, and so, 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 so you're looking at all these things like you can get shown to 9 million steam users at random. Right. And you can send a, an email newsletter to 150,000 people. Well, and this, well, this, and this, also, none of that is sufficient. Also, we ran ads, uh, the weeks leading prior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which got seen by several hundred thousand people yep. as well. Yeah. So. so, but I think the interesting thing about this is when you, again, when you look at the idea of the wicked, a wicked world system, which is that it's very tempting to, to try to pull, to try to say something about the game from this. Right. Because there, I'm sure there are games that with they have if they have a steam oh, and we pop did, up. Too. We did, yeah. But I think there's there are things there are games that when they have a steam pop up certainly have a better conversion rate than something like Level Head. Right? Yeah, probably Level Head's a platformer, right? And it's a cartoonish one. And so it's like, an early access, and it's an early access. Which those those three so things first are glance like, you see and you're like, eh. yeah. So like maybe yeah. it's just kind of a, a harder a harder sell sort of up front. Um, and it's very tempting to say like, oh well, I mean maybe. And you see the indie devs do this a lot, which is a, sort of the first crack at it, your first entry into the market. The response to the game is lukewarm, and so you're like, "Well, that means that we shouldn't, you know, pursue this. Like, we should shut this operation down, go try something else." And the problem is that you can't actually know because yeah. is the next thing any more likely to yeah, or or really right? once you sort of clear some of these various hurdles with it, is, yeah. is that the point at which it's going to be fine? Like, or once we get past early access, once we even get a better like, trailer, once we do, once we get on console, yep. you know, like every, people talk about certain games having homes in different places where they sort of seem like they fit. A little bit better, um, and even you know we we know Crashlands I mean, Crashlands on mobile you know had a like a very very high review score. Everyone's like, oh my god, this oh, yeah. is incredible because it a game like that just didn't exist on that platform at all. And Levelhead will be an equivalent sort of an experience on mobile. Yep. And but mobiles are are planned to hit basically last, right? Yeah. And so we don't like that might be the thing. That yeah. Ends it, up being it might the best. be that really that's our dominant platform. Yeah. yeah. So it's just yeah. weird. So you can't you can't be like, well, I'm gonna. But also, you know, like we could, for example, we could try to sell Levelhead on mobile for five bucks or ten bucks or something, and maybe it just absolutely flops. Yeah, because it's different now. Right. right. Or maybe it's an outrageous success. We don't know. Alternatively, we could make it free to play and put some subscription model subscription or or some kind of like, you know, you get most of the items, then you buy an expansion Mm -hmm. pack or something. Um, And maybe that is outrageously successful or maybe it fails, <laughs> yeah. right? But we can't do both. We can only do one of the yeah. things but and then we can't so say you, anything. You never get to know yeah. which one of those, yeah. like, cause there might've been, and this is true for any case, right? There might've been like, had you only done this one thing differently, that mm-hmm. might've been the thing. Um, but you never get to know. Because yeah, every day you're doing is. hundreds of things. Yeah. yeah. So it's weird. I, I think that's, that's where the, the feeling of like, I don't know how to share this. Or like what the value of sharing this is. And the reason I link it back to the to the cancer episode is because the, the first time I was very chatty about it and I was like, here's these lessons, here's interesting stuff going on. But the weird one was after the second time, I was like, well, I mean, those lessons didn't pan out. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> fuck, I'm just being tortured now for like a year. No, so, I, th- I think the value in, in sharing is that you increase the available data to the world, right? Yeah. So like if, if you're sharing and other people are sharing, then it can – uh, sort of allow for some vague form of triangulation, at least in the moment where people can right. like use your experience and their experience and somebody else's experience and try to figure out like what's maybe go, what maybe matters. Yeah. Well, I mean, so here, in you know? big ups to, uh, to Rami with that, that bad advice uh, GDC talk thing. Cause at the end he basically says, he's like, this is all bad advice. And like every piece of advice I've given terrible in retrospect, but the reality is still that bad advice is still better than nothing because it gives you perspective from someone else's angle on it. And then if you get enough of it, 
you get enough bad advice, you maybe might be able to, you could. Yeah, because like, like, I'm not. Because that's that's the point. We're bringing this back to the idea to the to the, the science. science of it, right? Bad data is worse than no data. Yeah, is because I truly believe that bad data is worse than no data mm. because bad data is misleading, right? Uh, and it's the same deal with like bad advice is also misleading because it's not that because it's not that it's a piece of data you now get to like use, right? Mm-hmm. It's now it's now something that people make decisions based off of, and they make decisions based on the assumption that the data is true, right? And if the data just is false or is very likely to be false and you make a decision as if it's true, mm-hmm. then it was it would have been better had you just not had that and then either use a different piece of data or just thought about the problem and mm-hmm. then kind of try to come up with your own uh, idea. So so I see this the same way I see just the whole idea of a negative result in science, right? Which is that in a negative result in science is you thought something might be true. You tried to do it, did some experiments. The thing you thought was true was not, mm-hmm. Right. Almost every result you ever get in science is a negative result, just like in real life, right? As because we don't understand how anything works, mm-hmm. uh, and those don't get published for all the same reasons that we're talking about. Is is the, the interesting difference there is that there that somebody clearly discovered that something wasn't true. They yeah. discovered something wasn't true, and instead of being able to share that because nobody wants to hear about that, then now everybody <laughs> else has to not know whether that's true right. or not because they don't get to share that. So then, so to me, that's the value. Like that's the value of us sharing stuff is not us saying like, Hey, we think this works or we think this is it's, it's to me, the only valuable uh, information you can get out of the industry and out of that we can give to the, to the, to the world at large is the things that didn't work. Mm -hmm. It's the negative example. But the The problem there is we also don't know what didn't work. Yeah. But But we get, so it's still everything. I think as long as you're couching things like as much as possible. I mean, context is, is context is so important. Um, but I think that's that's the interesting bit of it because the reality is like so so over the weekend we did our we did our big new update we uh, got the daily deal on Steam Crash Lens is also on the daily deal for forty eight hours as well um, and then and we, we also bundled them together we bundled them together and then we were on the uh, Indie Land charity stream with the completionist yesterday tons of stuff going on right and the truth is like we actually had our best love had its best weekend yep that it's had so. It all like it worked. It was yeah. and this is great. But again, if you if you, it depends on your metrics, right? Because also like no new YouTubers, no new. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, it had its best weekend relative to having had no other good weekends. Well, I mean, have it yeah. relative relative to launch weekend, which was not as big as we thought it was going. To yeah, be, right. So and, I think, and again, like to me, the metric is is if this was how things were going, could we afford to continue making games? Where right now, the answer is still no. Yeah, but I mean, that's a, that's a hard one to throw into the mix because it's early access. Yeah, so, and like, not it's that, not but, supposed to be but, a profit making vehicle right but yeah. we believe that that the approach now for a developer is to spread your game out across numerous platforms mm-hmm. yeah. and this is a big reason why because like right? if crashlands was only on steam we never would have been able to oh, yeah. go this far right? yeah. mm-hmm. but it's the fact that it's on like 12 platforms now yeah. um which also raises the question is because we you know we've been we we sort of decided like not to go onto Discord because we're like, oh, well, we'll just stay in Steam early access, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and it's yeah. not even actually on the radar. But we like, totally should. Should we just be on? Because it's like, just more money, just more, <laughs> just more <laughs> players, more money. And it, and might, it does and cost it might, something, yeah. and it might not be. But yeah, the question is the cost, yeah. right? And and I think and so so we talked about this in the past too, because like being on GOG hasn't been worth the, the payment. No, that's actually it has been a net yeah. loss. That's, yes, that's being right. on <laughs> being recently, on yeah. Linux also. Linux is expensive and yep. has mm-hmm. six people. Yeah. Yep. Using so, it. So yeah, no, that's just, I mean, again, I don't care. There, if, you, certain, if, you, yeah. if you like Gog or you have Linux, like that's cool. But again, thing, we but had to do it to know that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. So yeah, you had, yeah, we had to get the data, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so but it's, it's a question of, of, and this is why I think this whole idea, like, cause it used to be the case that, that it's still, if you were lucky, like you still had to get lucky, you still had to get f- feature treatment and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. But in those scenarios, if you were on the front page of steam, like 
cool. You recouped your cost. But I still think it's the it. case that certain games, if they got on the front page of Steam, still will. Still will. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think that's, that's what I was saying as far as context being king here. Uh, and then also the weird difficulties of having a game that doesn't necessarily do that. Well, I think it's that when success happens, it's obvious. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I, I do think it's the actually, case that it is now. If you look at the population of games that have been, if we like to take a look at the right pool, right? So we say, okay, the pool of games that have been on the front page of Steam. Right. If you were to go back three years ago, uh, those probably all would have would have made enough money to, depending, of course, on how people are doing mm-hmm. their development, uh, could have anyway uh, made enough money to offset their costs. Yeah. Right. I think if you look today, um, I think that's probably not true on average. I think on average, the games that end up being featured on the front page of Steam uh, actually aren't doing well. Mm. Or they've been doing well for a really long time. And that's why they keep getting a feature. But in terms of a a causative thing, we're being on the front page. I I think it used to be the case that like you could really count on that actually. In the same way you could on mobile, right? You could really count on being featured as being a thing that could create success for you. And I think now it's just part of the – But it's part of of a broader multi-platform strategy and it's not not a silver bullet at all. Because I think you're right. I think think it still can create success. But I think the real thing is that – is that – Players are so are have now been inundated by so many games now mm-hmm. uh, of such hugely varying quality, and they've been burned by early access so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, the idea of a new game coming out is not exciting. It's a non. It's not. It's not interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I I, I disagree though because I think it depends on it depends on the game. Like it depends on the franchise, depends on the pitch. Like, right. no, wait, no, but that's a specific game. But yeah, so yeah. so. Yeah. So a new right, specific sure. game coming out. Yeah, you can get real pumped about that. Right. If I said to you like, hey, did you know 30 games are coming out on Steam today? Yeah. You wouldn't be like, what? That's amazing. Yeah, You'd right. be like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah it just doesn't – it doesn't matter. It's like, but, so, but five-year-old you would have been pretty pumped about 30 new games coming out oh, every yeah. day. Yeah, it's just that we've been we, – we now live in an age where there's just so many new games all the time. Yeah. They're that, effectively that, that, Yeah, they're, they're infinite and therefore they have no value by default. And so – so their value now has to be so obvious out of the gate for somebody to take a risk on a game. Right. Like yeah. having Keanu Reeves in it. Yeah, that helps mm-hmm. a lot. You got that, <laughs> right. boom. That's yeah. a $60 if you got, game. Yeah, if, you have <laughs> some, if you've got some trick up your sleeve, yeah. right? Uh, How do we get – can we get Keanu Reeves to voice GR18? That's the uh, – <laughs> how, yeah, how much would that cost? That would be sick. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, just do that whenever he jumps. Whoa. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, okay well, we well, could, we could keep going deep into this forever. Well, I mean, I think the, the broader point is just that uh, that with regards to like sharing stuff, yeah. Once you've, it's like the Dunning Kruger thing, right? Yeah. When you know how much you don't know, yeah. especially when you have access to some of those backend data, but then also know that other games are doing really well in mm-hmm. similar positions, then it just sort of drives home this idea that maybe you don't know enough of what's going on to really be spouting off about any of it. <laughs> well, as long as, as long as what you're doing is you're sharing your experiences and not necessarily sharing it in terms of shoulds. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah. I, if I, you're not, if you're not giving causations. Yeah. I mean, I agree, but only to the, I, people don't read critically. So no, I just, I, I, that's fine. That's their problem mean? now. Yeah. But, <laughs> Cause like if, if you, if you make it hard for them to read critically by saying like, here's what you should do based mm-hmm. on blah, then now you've like, you've actually, you've actively made their lives harder. Right. Uh, if you say, here's what happened to us and here's what we did. Mm-hmm. Here's what we thought was true. And maybe that's not true. Right? right. That's a fine thing to say. And if somebody wants to read into that, all kinds of weird shit, no, that's just totally on them. And that's yep. their problem. Sure. Now. Well, I mean, the weird things like, uh, so again, going back to the weekend, like Levelhead did, did like the best that we've had, and in, on top of that, we got selected for the the PAX uh, mix event, which is the Media Indie Exchange. Basically, we're going to get shown to a bunch of uh, media people on Friday night at PAX, which can be super fun. It's like a party, so I think I think some players actually get to come in to that as well. 
Um, so Adam and I will be there over PAX weekend. So like there's there's all this really exciting stuff happening with the game. And I, I still very much believe because every time I see someone play it, they're like, oh, you know, holy fuck, it's so good. And so yeah. Yeah. I 100% believe We're that. We're like a 97.6% positive yeah. on Steam. So like I 100% the blame, that believe that the game is going to like crush it, quote unquote. But in like how that looks, yeah, how, yeah, right. how exactly that's going to sort of come to come together yeah. is something that we're still sort of actively figuring out. And I think it's what makes this makes this whole thing it like have just some interesting edges to it. Yeah. Yes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be Scotch Stratumus this thing. All right, what you got? Because I I've been a, I've been a believer for a long time that that the situation that Levelhead is in right now is similar to the Rocket League situation mm-hmm. of the past, mm-hmm. because Rocket League or psionics made a game called supersonic acrobatic rocket powered battle cars, mm-hmm. which did. Okay. Yep. Like it, it didn't, it didn't uh, blow anybody's socks off. I think it was stuck on PlayStation three. I think, so. I think it was like a platform exclusive. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's what it was. And it had a really dedicated fan base and everybody, everybody who played it fucking loved it. Yeah. And they got really into it and they, and they had a very dedicated, but small community. Yeah, and that was true for me too. When I, when I did finally come out on Steam and I, and I played it for the first time, like it, it hooked me yeah. so hard, yeah. But, yeah. but I was so skeptical. Look, yeah. like I yeah. was so and like, skeptical. As a, as a nerd, I'm like cars and sports <laughs> 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 together. Yeah. Get it's the like, fuck out of here, <laughs> right. you know? And so, and, and I think that was probably true for a lot of, that people, was true for me. Definitely. You know? Yeah. Um, and it, and the game looks good. Yeah, it looks great. Like it, it graphically, it's really nice. But cars playing soccer, who gives a shit, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so, <laughs> so then it, then it comes to uh, PlayStation Four, and in the same month that they launched it on PC, they put it into the what is it? P- PS. Remember their subscription now? Yeah. PlayStation, some kind of subscription mm-hmm. service. We haven't looked at a PlayStation that yeah. much, <laughs> um, as you could tell. And, and so all of a sudden. All the barriers are gone, right? So all of a sudden, you've got millions of people who are in the subscription service. They're just like, card playing soccer, what the fuck? And then they just download it because it's free mm-hmm. and start playing it. And then it, it's it's just mind-boggling to them how good this game is, mm-hmm. right? And now those people are are part of that pool of players who were skeptical about the game, picked right. it up, and were all of a sudden hooked on it. And all of a sudden, there's this huge amount of, of enthusiasm about the game. Mm-hmm. So then the game launches on Steam in that same month. And then anybody on Steam who's like, what the hell is this? Like, But then all of a sudden, there's like a familiarity there because I know that for me, I had actually been seeing mentions of Rocket League all of a sudden, all mm-hmm. over the place. Yeah. And seeing these like cool clips of people like whacking this ball in midair with a mm-hmm. rocket car. And then Rocket League popped up on Steam and I was like, oh, this must be that thing, you know? Right. And I got it uh, in that launch week and then, and then I was hooked on it, yeah. right? And so I think, I think in our situation, mm-hmm. what we need to do sort of like closer to launch is like figure out what those barriers are, you yep. know, that kind of keep people skeptical because mm-hmm. we know once we get them in, we got them. Yep. yep. Uh, and so we just have to figure that out. And once we do that, I think it's fine. Yeah. It was good. Like there's a, a really good quote I saw from a, uh, like a startup article I read yesterday where they said the, you know, first time founders are obsessed with their product. Second time founders are obsessed with distribution. Right. Uh, <laughs> because that ends up being the thing that is hard. Like, and there, and this is the whole the issue I have with like a, a lot of the, like just like the general wisdom of like, oh, build a really good game. And it's like, I mean. And then what? And then what? <laughs> like the reality yeah. is like all the rest of the stuff is actually way more important at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, especially as the market gets hotter and hotter and like more people are in it. So, so yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think it's, it's just a matter of figuring it out. So um, anyways, yeah, I, I think that's, that's kind of like what I've been wrapping my head around with this, the sharing stuff and where level heads at and all that. So I just kind of wanted to. Okay. 
Well, before we go on to some questions, we just got like a couple quick things. One is Shanicon. Yeah, it's, it's happening. Uh, we are, our tickets are going. Yep. So if you've been on the fence, starting to sell like hotcakes, if you will. Yes. So yeah, it's it's coming up and it's on September 28th from 1 to 4 p.m. 1 to 5 p.m. Here in St. Louis, uh, it'll be at the CET, which is the building that houses the Butterscotch office, as well as like I think 100 other companies or something. There's a bunch. There's a bunch of us in here. There's a billion of them. There's about a billion. Yeah. And it's going to be a ton of fun. And we're just started – like I said, we just started doing the uh, the local press push stuff for all this, um, which we'll be continuing through up until the, the actual show itself. And it's a really fun just couple of hours to hang out with us and Four play hours. video games. Four hours, yeah. Couple, uh, to me, a couple always means exactly two, so I just mm. – just really fun four hours uh, <laughs> with a live podcast as well as an actual little gaming thing where we're going to show off a level head, of course, and have a little competition with that. But then more importantly, we're going to show Scuffle Buddies. Now, yep. this weekend, I booted, I got Scuffle Buddies up. Did you play it? How was it? I played it. It was actually pretty good. <laughs> I look back and I was like, I mean, I think if we had – I think we should do. I was thinking about it over the weekend I mean, too. if we had kept going with it, I think by now we might have figured it out. Like, what, <laughs> what the hell that game was. I think what we could do is we just rip out the open world shit. Uh-huh. And then go back to the core. Go back to like the deck building. No, man, I think thing. we just keep going. It's going to take years to figure out. Levelhead needs to make, if my math is right, $33 million <laughs> for us to have enough time to figure out how to finish Scuffle Buddies. It's yeah. a fun one. It's really fun. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be showing weird. Scuffle Buddies for the first and possibly only time. <laughs> yeah. uh, so if you want to see that, and, and I think I think the idea would probably be we would have some kind of like uh, opening presentation. We would kind of show the different parts of the game because there's no, there's will no it be, instructions. Would it be playable so that it's yeah, playable? It's really playable. So you can play with two players in the whole? Uh, not two players, no. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you, you can battle the NPCs in Scuffle okay. Buddies, which I won't say any more about that. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's just a weird fucking game. Yeah. So if you want to see that, uh, we worked on that for like seven months or something and then yeah. and then switched over to Levelhead. Um, so, you know, there's your chance. Yeah, come by. I don't know. We've got a, quite a few people coming in from out of town again. So it's yeah. going to be really fun and hopefully a good, diverse yeah. crew of people. I had some hilarious comments in the Discord of, uh, of someone and their friend got tickets, got their hotels, got their flights. And they're like, now we just have to figure out how to actually tell our wives <laughs> that we're going to be doing this thing. Fly out of the, out uh, of the maybe, team. you know, do that first mm -hmm. yep. for the mm -hmm. rest of you who are getting your ticket. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> Clear it, it. Make it easy. Clear it with the people who, who it's going to impact. Uh, all right. So otherwise, uh, we could talk about what's been going on with Apex Legends. Nah, we can just, eh, we'll or just we can that. skip that. Uh, but if you're in for a good, if you want a good read, just look that up. Mm -hmm. What's been going on with Apex Legends is fast. Yeah. I think it'll make it for an interesting conversation for next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but now we got we're almost done. This podcast is almost over. Mm -hmm. we, we went too deep. All right, <laughs> let's get out of the questions. Questions uh, come from podcast.bscotch.net. The highest upvoted question comes from Boopa Mail Howly Loud. No, <laughs> it's a good random generated name. Yes, who yep. says, uh, "What's your favorite board game?" Not Dominion. Have <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that on the – I think we mentioned it. We still have a sealed Dominion board game box that we bring – every single family gathering, Seth brings the box. And, and then we, we – The tradition is there. people ceremoniously say, ask the question. What do, what do we want to play? And then I say – does anybody want to play Dominion? And then we all laugh and we say, no. <laughs> we play something else. Uh -huh. To the point now where I don't ever want to open that box because it's sort of <laughs> it's it's traditional. It's um, going to be our, our great, great grandchildren mm -hmm. are going to be 
We've been carrying playing, the sealed to me as with, <laughs> right? yeah. as with most favorites. I think mine changes over time, but more importantly, it's because it's whatever I've been exposed to the most. Because in the past, my favorite game was the the old like Dune board game, which was out of print. But fun fact is actually coming back into print. Oh yeah. So there was that. some like licensing problem or something that somehow finally got resolved, and that's going to come back out. So uh, if you're if you're in the market for a really fun, interesting mm-hmm. game, uh, just go look that one up. It's really good. Uh, but I haven't played it for so long because it requires. It requires a bunch of nerds to get together and just like nerd out for four hours, right? Yeah. And it's a it's a float trip situation. Exactly, it's, it's, not, it's not a thing that's easy to have happen yeah. anymore. Uh, so back in college, you played that a lot. Um, you got to organize a float trip, bust out dude. <laughs> right. That's the only way. Right. Yeah. So so now I think the my favorite current board game is Clank, which our yes, our neighbors introduced say. us to. Uh, We've been playing it with our mom, which is very comical. Yeah, and it's it's a, it's a deck building dungeon crawler, basically. Um, That's a good game. It is super super fun, and, and do, it's called uh, we do bourbon and board, as yeah. we refer, which is our sort of hipster name for for that. Just event. having bourbon and playing board games. Yeah, yeah. and the best one was last time we did it. One, mom almost choked to death on water, which yeah. is very exciting. <laughs> exciting and, for everybody. Uh, Seth and I both gave her the Heimlich, and yeah. pretty sure broke some of her ribs. Yeah, but she's from uh, Iowa, so she's fine. She said it's Texas morning. She's like, a little sore. Took some ibuprofen. I'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. So that happened. Also, every time Seth seems to not have a strategy of doing random things and then wins. Yep. So he won this time. (laughs) (laughs) You just can't. I just don't believe it. But I also also died for the first time in this game. Yeah, Adam died last last time. Every time I played it, I've made it out of the dungeon. But this time, the dragon got me. Clank is super fun. It's super fun. And it will take you, the first time you play it, it. it has a lot. There's going a lot on. going on, but it's <laughs> it's it's deceptively simple. So like, yes. there's a lot going on, but it, but once you get it all figured out, it's it's really not complex yeah. actually. Yeah, my strategy is just to pick one thing and min max it. Yeah. So yeah. this time around, I just went for stabs. You can like you can get swords to stab enemies. I'm like just anything that has swords on it, I'm gonna buy that thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that means that any scenario that involves stabbing, I'm gonna handle that easily, mm-hmm. right? And it my, just turned my out. My strategy was to get the most valuable relic. But, but it's all the way at the bottom of the dungeon. Yeah. 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 So by the time I was working my way back out and couldn't, couldn't survive the dragon. My strategy yeah. was to uh, be monkey focused. Yeah. Monkey spec. Maybe, maybe it wasn't <laughs> a good, in retrospect, maybe not as good a strategy as stabbing things or getting the most highly priced items. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I had a good time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I highly, highly recommend that game. It's so I, my favorite board game is still Monopoly. Because it's really? the Eve online of board games. Okay. <laughs> like, uh-huh. it's hard to figure out how to play it. it takes forever. I hate Monopoly. It's, it's slow terrible. as fuck. Mm-hmm. When you lose, you're just done now. You don't get yeah. to have fun anymore. No, you're no. just out of the game for the next three hours while the rest of your family members I mean, backstab each best, other. The best thing, <laughs> the best thing about Monopoly is its origin story. Because yes. it was created as a game that was supposed to be unpleasant to play. It's demonstrated of, of the end result of capitalism. Yes, yes. Right? It, was, it, was an, it was an anti-capitalist board game. It was meant to make you feel how bad it is for everybody to have to participate in a capitalist system. That was its whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so it was meant to create strife and right. fights. It's like, like, look, wealth just keeps concentrating into one person. Yeah. Everybody else goes bankrupt and literally just can't play anymore. And they have to just watch from the sidelines with nothing <laughs> for hours. That's his whole thing. And for some reason, we're all playing that game as families. Right? Like, what the hell? That is such a dumb thing. You decided on that being a good Yeah, idea. I was listening to, uh, to, to a podcast where they were interviewing. There's a, there's a woman who gave a great TED Talk a while ago. That she, she basically studies games. Like she's a PhD. Is it McGonagall? Yes. Yeah. 
And she was and she was talking about this. She was talking about the, the value that certain. Also, she's got like have. a Harry Potter wizard name. Yes, which is really good. Yeah, she was saying how she was really actually happy about that because now people can pronounce her name because mm. they, they pronounce it the same way. They oh do yeah, Harry mm. Potter. Yes. Uh, but but no, she but she talks about this idea of basically older board games, meaning the ones that we all grew up with, um, not the nerd board games, but the right. older board games. She said basically are sort of universally really bad. They, 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 they're not good games. They're not well designed. They're meant to create strife. That's their whole purpose. Mm-hmm. And so they, they, they basically create conflict with people and they, they were designed quote unquote for families. Right. So we had this, <laughs> we had this whole fucking generation of people who like, you know, like there's like games like sorry and trouble. You want to talk about a conspiracy theory. Yeah. It's like it's wild. What an interesting way to deliver strife into a home. through yeah. The Trojan horse of board right? games. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Wild. Yeah, and then except- but now all these other games are like these cooperative ones, like, and even Clank, which is antagonistic, but not in a way that not directly, not directly, right? Because you're, you're actually all playing against the board, right? Um, and all these, all these interesting co-op games, and and all these, mm. all these really, really good, well-designed, thoughtful games that we have access to now that that most people don't play. They're basically board game enthusiasts who are willing to sit down for an hour and learn how to play right. a game, right? And then everybody else is like playing these bullshit games that are only meant to cause strife. And then you wonder why people are like, oh, I hate, I hate board games. What? Because they've only played Monopoly. <laughs> they've played Monopoly, right? <laughs> But I think the same thing is I true. I fucking love Monopoly. Oh, it's so bad. But the, but I think the same so thing is probably true for <laughs> for video games too, right? If if you've only been exposed to sort of like yeah, or like the, the wealth of indies, like how broad that yeah, there's yeah. so much interesting yeah. stuff that they really can enrich your life in a lot of ways. And and if you just dabble in games, mm-hmm. then you don't you don't actually get to access it. My wife and I are going to play The Sims. She hasn't actually played The Sims. Uh-oh. Oh really? And I was like, oh, wait, no. which 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 The Sims? Like a new one? OG? We're going to do the new one. We're going to like oh. yeah. They're Be awesome. careful. I think there's like $800 worth of purchasable unlocks. <laughs> yes. I think that's I on the mobile one. No. The new one just has a fuckload of expansion packs. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. But you can buy like one of those, here's everything for the normal price of the game because it's a couple years old now. Okay, good. But um, yeah, we're going to get something like that and give it a go because she's never played it before. And or like saw she played it maybe once at her friend's house. Modern Sims is pretty rad. Yeah, the whole thing's incredible. Yeah. And I was like, oh. There it is. There's our there's our binge game this year. Yep. Thanksgiving can't come soon It's going to be a whole enough. year probably. Yeah. That's a- <laughs> but that's, that's exactly one of those things where it's like just because you, you know, like first person shooters feel like they are like what a game is in a lot of ways for yeah. sort of the mass media mind. Especially when you see this whole like the, you know, violence caused by video, video games, games thing. By- and everyone's like, I play Stardew Valley for like yeah. four yeah. hours. <laughs> what the hell? What are <laughs> games like Candy Crush, The Sims? Yeah. You're like, what? Yeah. That's not right. Um, put, put three. I, I merged three juicy gummy berries together, and then mm. I just went into a blind rage. I think it is definitely more true now with board games and with video games. That, yeah. That, yeah, if, if you don't like them, it's much more a lack of exposure to yes. the breadth of them than it is if you quote unquote reality. Don't get it. Oh, it would be the yeah. same as saying, I don't like movies. Or I don't like exercise. Yeah, it's like it's like most things. It's like most things. If you haven't really actually explored the breadth that's available there, then yeah. You're just wrong. Yeah, you're you're just wrong. wrong. Yeah, but my my wife and I are actually amusing about this because of because the whole idea of, of what of what games, whether it's a board game or video game, but what, what it does is it provides that shared experience, right? Where mm-hmm. where you get to hang out with somebody else. And so so this uh, Professor McGonagall right, was mm-hmm. was talking about how excited that that she and her husband are every time some new game that both of them are excited about is going to come out because they know this is now another shared experience they get to have. And they still remember like when they discovered portal together when they, you know, right. and, and my wife and I have that same thing where, because we're, we're both really into games and into the breadth of them. So we try all kinds of interesting stuff. Then even when it's a single player game or, 
whatever, we will go play it on the same weekend, right? right? And then we get to talk about it with each other. And we get to have these shared experiences that most people have restricted to. Because most most people, whether they're couples or friends or whatever, have a pretty small set of overlapping interests, yeah. right? And 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 it's a, lot of, a lot of times it's because an interest is very specific. It's like, well, I'm really into, say, like knitting or I'm really into mm-hmm. like – it'll be like a hobby is always like exactly one thing. The fun thing about games is that games isn't one thing. It's It's a complete – it's a weird mm-hmm. thing to kind of categorize that and just be like, I'm yes. a gamer or I'm not. And right. that's it because games provide any kind of possible experience you could want. Yeah. And, and I think it's such a huge bummer that such a huge fraction of people, either nobody in their relation, in their relationships uh, are interested in games or only a subset are so that they don't get to have these shared experiences basically. Right. That are, that are also just like very weird. Often They're very weird and they're very accessible. Yeah. Right. Cause other people like in, if, in situations where you don't, where you're not both into trying out games and having those experiences, which again, it should be, it's more about the social aspect and about having done it together than it is well, about like, even the quality of the game. Let's answer the question, you know, how is my wife going to react when a Triceratops destroys our home? You know, yep. and that's so, something you should know. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but, yeah, you, but you can't possibly get that from any other. Source. No, but it, yeah. so yeah. So these, you get to learn a lot about each other in the process too. And have these, yeah. have these fun, like, but even I still, in my memory of like of my wife running away from a titano bow and leaping off of a cliff <laughs> to try to escape only to die right and then to have the titano bows come after me like that's not like basically burned in my memory yeah. as a thing that happened that hap- quote unquote to happened us, to us right yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and she was fine though she got better she got better <laughs> uh, yeah. but I think the accessibility of that shared experience that you get out of video games yeah. you can't really get almost anywhere else everything else you have to you know spend a bunch of money to go to a movie mm-hmm. and, and you're not even participating you're just watching it and talking about it afterwards which of course still has a lot of value Value. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think the, the breadth of what's available for games mm-hmm. makes it, I just, the more I think about it, the more bummed out I am about the idea of people just not participating, participating yeah. you know, in that, and, and again, whether board games or video games, I think there's just so much value there. Agreed. Medium. Yeah. All right. Next question comes from Beastgodge Christine. <laughs> She's getting a lot of votes these She's days. Really good. Uh, I heard that you guys keep M&Ms in the office. What other goodies are you guys keeping to yourselves at that office? And more importantly, where are my M&Ms? <laughs> So Christine, she's working remote. Mm-hmm. She's so not, she, does, she gets none of the perks yeah. mm-hmm. of being in this no office. Candies. Yeah. No candies. We, as we were looking around for for office space, uh, the big the big one was, do you guys have an unlimited tube that dispenses M&Ms mm-hmm. on demand? Uh, as soon as they said, yes, we do, we were Signing like, that paper. we're in. Yep. Yeah, What's so the rent? doesn't matter. M&Ms. The awesome thing about the, the CET, which is part of a broader – there's a whole district in St. Louis called Cortex District, which has which is run by by it's run by, it's run by a giant um, brain in a jar. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> it's basically it's like the sort of the startup and small business hub of the city. Uh, there's another one called the T Rex downtown, and a couple other sort of incubator spaces. Uh, but Cortex is really getting bigger and bigger. I think they're adding three more buildings. Yeah, they're doing a lot next year. So like they're they're doing a lot of stuff. And so uh, we are in one of these buildings that used to be an old car factory. And so the break room is called the break room, but spelled like brakes. It actually has a brake yeah. pad yeah. thing, like, like your a car brake yeah. plate. And like these big metal doors that clearly used to like actually, you know, do stuff. And most importantly, though, the kitchen's down there and it just has it's just snack cupboard. infinite snacks in the mm-hmm. snack cupboard from we got M&M's, we got peanut M&M's. We got Cheez-Its. Cheez-Its. We got wasabi peas. I'm all about There's it. There's been a couple of days that I forgot my lunch and I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> they <have> time. string <laughs> cheese yeah. but you just eat all the string cheese you want i usually eat like three of those a day yeah just like stock yeah, i think the that. main bummer is just how few even approximately healthy snacks they have it is true there's some uh 
well, I guess not all fruits are healthy, but there's some bananas. Bananas is like that's the. Well, you got bananas, you got carrots, and then you got peanuts. Basically, you're yeah. But the carrots, though, which they just added, as far as I know, mm-hmm. but they just added, and they come in their their uh, their baby carrots. Yeah, and they come in a pack of like three. Yeah, I'm like, what am Wrapped I, in bird? plastic? Yeah. <laughs> it's literally a it's, baby carrot. It's the most wasteful way for somebody to have a snack. <laughs> but you give can't just a, have like a pile of carrots. Give me a, in well, there. no, yeah. you, but you can get those one pound bags. Exactly. I feel like that would be fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Here's yeah. our fridge full of one pound bags of baby carrots. Just mm-hmm. take a pound. Yep. And then in, in our actual office, office, our little uh, slice of, of the pie over here, um, we do have a, a few bowls of butterscotch candies. Some just Werther's. floating around. Some Werther's. Top of them. Take take one of those. Yeah. Um, sometimes you get snacky. Sometimes we go to or we've had like uh, from Seafood City, which is the sort of like Chinese Asian supermarket store here. Um, we'll bring in you know some I don't know, what are those things called? The ones that are like gluten that tastes that oh, seems yeah. like it's beef jerky, yeah, yeah, yeah. but is not. Yeah, it's it's made out of wheat gluten or something. Yeah. Packed full of flavor. The, the green tea so, Kit Kats. Green tea green Kit tea Kats. Yeah, that's the best. We'll get some of those in here sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and then otherwise, weird drinks are sort of the thing that I like having in the office. Because the one thing about being in this in the CET is that they don't have any cold beverage dispenser. You have water. Mm-hmm. But I don't count that. There's no that's like, not a beverage. There's no like <laughs> lemonade. There's no slushies. There's no you got tea. Slushies. You got coffee. Yeah, you just have hot stuff. And so sometimes you're like, I just want something cold. I literally never want. want that. I always want that. So uh, we come from literally different places. Never. Yeah. Literally never. So every I so didn't want that, but that was just because it hurt my face to put cold things in my mouth. Yeah, you now oh, yeah. I'm all about. You had a condition. I had a condition. Yeah. Now I'm good. You got better. So yeah. <laughs> you got better. I'll say one more quick question from Guo, who says, "Hey guys, I would love to know the results of your itch.io levelhead demo experiment. Hmm. Did it increase your game sales? Do you plan to do this for your future games? Uh, so we do track conversions." Yeah, what, what did you, so you for starters, last the, week, the traffic is super low. Yeah, I think we get like twenty. It's also bottomed out. It was it was already it, low, and then it, like I think two when days, we were two on the front page of itch, it was I think we had like a hundred downloads in a day. I think cumulatively we've had like two thousand downloads off of itch. Yeah, something like that. Um, I think probably about every other day we get a person converting from the demo and buying the the full yeah. game. So the conversion rate's approximately zero. Yeah, it's maybe like 1%. Depending on how you're rounding. Yeah. Which is what you'd expect. Yeah. yeah. Um, is yeah. it about 1% that we sold? Probably. Like something like that. We, we probably copies. moved like 20 units okay. through the demo. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the, the the issue with the demo is... It's wildly out of date now. It's, it's super <laughs> out of date because like literally right after we put the demo up, the next patch, we were like, should we just get rid of this whole campaign, campaign idea? Yeah. And the demo is is. Built around that. Yep. The idea of the demo is you get the first chunk of the campaign. You can build levels. You can play the first part of the campaign. But now you don't have all the stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you can't you can't keep unlocking things and you can't play online. All right. So you get to like see how the game plays, but you don't get to experience the social side of the mm-hmm. game. Um, and the idea is maybe if you like it enough, then you'll see the potential mm-hmm. and then you'll you'll trick it out. buy the full game. It was it's the it's the problem that you always have with a demo is how much do you give away? Because you have to give away enough that a person understands. This is the whole like... It's a lossy compression yeah, exactly. It's a lossy yeah. compression problem, which is a demo is the least lossy version, mm-hmm. but it but it always depends on where you cut it off, like yeah. how much loss there is in terms of what a player's going to understand the game is about. Yeah. And so to get them to truly understand the game, you just have to give it away. Yeah. That's, that's what... Yeah. Give the whole thing away. 
uh, and so you have to walk that back to the to some inflection point where it's, it's a like, vertical slice, basically. Yeah, where it's like a, a person will really get it, get it just enough to to like understand what it's all about, be really excited about it, be hooked, but not any more than that because now where's their incentive to actually go buy it, yeah. which is very hard. Yes, but, but I think the demo does a fine job, sort of for where where it's at. Honestly, it's fine if it's at it. It's just a distribution thing. Yeah. Okay, which is like turns out if you have a demo app, well, you have to also market demo. In yep. order for people to play it, you know, and show up and buy yeah, it. Yeah, so, this kind of reminds me of we've had a, a few times earlier when we were in our studios live where a company would come to us mm-hmm. and they would say, like, hey, we have this product that we're making or whatever. And we think that it would be a great marketing tool if we if we contracted a company to make a video game about our product. Yep. Right. And yeah. And then we have to explain to them like a video game isn't a commercial. Yeah. Yes. Like you can't make people play the game. Now you just got a new marketing problem, which is now you've got to sell this video game. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so you sell the video game in order to sell your right. product. Yeah. So you've actually, yeah, you've, you've just pushed it further away. It's weird and hard. Yeah. You know? and, and and their response would be like, well, but I mean, it'll be free. And I was like, yes, as is every other video yep. game. Yep. And so why would somebody get a game that's a commercial yep. when they could just get a game that they already are interested mm-hmm. in, you know? Unless it's in like a freaking rad universe, you know, like yeah. genre. It, has, it would have to be really good. Yeah. But then right. it's just a game. And now you've just made a triple A game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So the demo is kind of that same problem, which is like it's a free game that's meant to sell another product. But now you've got to market the free game too. Yep. Um, and, and because of this sort of intractable problem now of – of the demo being built around a concept of progression locking that no longer exists in the game. We actually don't know how we're going to update it. That's why we're just leaving it. So we're just going to leave it <laughs> yeah. for a while. I think now it's not doing any harm. I think it was version 0.9 or something was the demo. What are we on now? 12? 12. Yeah. So we are six weeks out, three major patches. Um, don't know what's going to happen with that. We might have to just pull it down at some point mm. when it gets too wildly out of date. Uh, but I don't know. If somebody, so if somebody makes something in the workshop, and they beat it, so it's you know publishable. Yeah, and then they and then they update their game to a new version. Do they have to beat it again? Uh, well they they have they publish it at the moment they beat it. Okay, yeah. So you we have you, to it you doesn't have to quit to update it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. yeah. So you can't yeah you can't like beat it and then the game would get like a check mark being like this was beaten. You know, yeah, I think this was that that workaround that somebody found for uh, original Super Mario Maker was that. Through, yeah, some, once, through some version manipulation. You beat your level, then you revert it to some older version where the thing you the mechanic you used to beat it no longer exists. Yeah. Ah, publish it with that version of something. Um tricky tricky. Yeah. Ours is you yeah, you gotta beat it in the version that it that you're in. Yeah. That's fine. No guarantees though. Because so <laughs> one, one of the interesting things was we added level cloning to mm-hmm. the game. This was actually kind of like a last minute decision because we uh, last week we added the expandable level cards to level head. So now you can click a little button, the card like bloop and it opens up and now there's some extra stats and some extra buttons and cool stuff. So we had that, that space on your own level card down there. And we were also like, you know, it'd be really easy if we allowed you to just make a duplicate of your old levels, put them back in your workshop uh, because we already have the revert function. So mm-hmm. we would just do that, but just not delete the level off yeah. the server. Right. So you can now make a copy of your level. And then you can republish that and update it. And it was super cool to see because we've had so many updates and so many, in some cases, sort of like physics changing yeah. updates yeah. and stuff like that, that a huge number of our OG player base from like way back when we first launched in early access, 
they had their some of their first levels or some like really weird contraption levels and stuff that were built around concepts that have since been changed. Or maybe like they built a level and they were trying to like make it feel like a town. But this was before we had, you know, wood and stone right. and stuff like that. And so we had a huge number of people pop into Discord and then uh, post like copy their their levels and then post uh, screenshots of the level like before and then after mm-hmm. where they like took an old level and sort of like redid it, yeah. retouched it up, you know, which was super cool. Um, but yeah, in those cases, the version number, like once you load it, the version gets upped, yeah. you know, yeah. it gets upped to whatever you're at. And then it's lies ratcheted to that. So, yeah. So that's kind of, uh, that's that. Yeah. But I don't know about the demo. We'll, we'll figure that out. Yeah. So, leave it. Yeah. Well, in, terms right. of the, in terms of the question, cause the, the other part of the question was, would we do it again? Right. Or I don't know. I mean, it depends. It, to me, it always depends on distribution. I would yeah. do it again yeah. if it's like a year from now. Because things will have changed by then, and now we won't know yeah. whether it would matter. Anymore. Yeah. Well, and the thing that we didn't do is we didn't make a demo available on Steam. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So, and would that? Who matter? knows if that has? <laughs> who knows if that has value? Yep. I don't know. Yeah. Why didn't we do that? I can't remember. Uh, well, I think the original idea was was and this is this is some of that con- you know conventional wisdom, right? Which is that your demo basically competes with your product. And there's that there's that mm-hmm. fear that somebody will get enough out of your demo that they then wouldn't go download your actual game. Um, and the, the, and the question there is, are there, are there two different populations of people, right? The population of people who don't care about demos anyway, and will make a decision whether or not to buy your game, regardless of the demo. And then are there people who So the question is like, is really, who are you, how are you breaking up this audience? And does the demo actually impact it? Yeah. Um, I mean, the main reason was just because it's super easy to do on itch and didn't require us to potentially fuck up anything. Yeah. That's the yeah. easy answer. So, so we can easily just do. take it off of itch again. Yeah. So, which is probably also true on steam. Yeah. Could be. But now it doesn't. But make now the sense. demo, yeah. The demo so again, like the yeah, demo is yeah. all weird now. So yeah, it would have to be a different thing. <laughs> we're, we're we're really just kind of running out the clock on that demo. Yeah. I would say because yeah. we're gonna have to take it down at some point. So oh, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producers Fat Bard and Jen Costa for putting the podcast together. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net. We got links to everything, uh, as well as go to meet.bscotch.net to get your shenanigan tickets for be September, there for September 28th yeah alright well thank you all for listening we'll see you next week goodbye, goodbye.